And this is Matthew chapter 5, and we're beginning at verse 1. And it's Jesus. Now when he saw the crowds, that's Jesus, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God and daughters as well. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So that's where we're going today, to the Beatitudes, which is the first bit of the Sermon on the Mount. So Jesus was addressing the crowds and he was giving them some information that was probably the essence or the core teaching of what he was teaching the people. So it's a summary, I guess, of all of the other, the parables and all of the other teachings of Jesus. But it's also part, I guess it's also a summary of the Torah, which is the Old Testament laws and, and the, the ways that the Jews were taught to do things. And whilst they were told how to do things, they were seeking after God. They found that the only way to get there was by these rules and regulations. But Jesus was trying to teach something deeper and something more profound, something that was a little bit less tangible, something that you couldn't necessarily hang your hands on or hold on to, something that was a bit, I guess, etheric and perhaps escaped some people. And that's what these Beatitudes contain. They contain an etheric core of Jesus' teachings. And from what I can gather, these are the least commented on of all of the parts of the Bible. Now, how true that is, I don't know. That's just something that I read as I was researching uh, the message for today. But I can understand why. And the reason that this particular person gave... Whoops. The reason that this particular person gave was that they were so etheric. And they are difficult to sort of get your head around and, and get a handle on. And they're things that you think, okay, well, why would Jesus talk like that? Because what he was trying to do, I, I, I believe, was trying to get deeper, not just up here in our heads. He was trying to get into our hearts and to see whether we were able to then follow this path. So I believe that the Beatitudes are the attitudes of being. That's not a direct definition, but I think it's an easy way of thinking of them. 
that they're an attitude of being and beingness in our life. Now, so many of us these days are trying to seek happiness. That's one of those catchphrases at the moment. They've got the Happiness Institute, they've got happiness psychology, basically, you know, all of this sort of stuff. Everyone's seeking happiness, but they seem to be, tr they're trying and trying and trying. No one seems to be actually getting there. And all, we all sort of have the problems as well. There seems to be so much more depression and anxiety and all of these sorts of things around these days. Some of them may be medical, but others I think are just psychosomatic and, and psychological. And so it's those psychological things that I believe the Beatitudes actually cut through. So as I open this up to you, there may be ways here that you've not thought of before. Things that are a little bit slightly different. You've probably heard people preach about the Beatitudes, but I'm, I, I'm going to take a slightly different slant on it. And hopefully you'll uh, be equipped today with some more, more knowledge and wisdom. That wisdom, that Sophia, that Paul was talking about it in the, uh, when he was saying wisdom in the 1 Corinthians reading. Seeking after God's wisdom. The wisdom that's foolishness to people who don't believe, but to those who are, and, and it says, those who are being saved in 1 Corinthians. So that's a, a, con a verb that says it's continuous. So we're not just saved once by spouting off something and saying, I believe. We are, it's a process. It, it's a continuation. And that savedness is coming into the wholeness and the fullness of God. It's not about just something that we, we think, oh, we're saved from, from you know, the fires of hell. No, yes, we might be, but no, that's not what it's about. It's about going beyond and about the fullness of life. That word sozo means all of life, to become alive. So when, when Paul talks about the wisdom of God and us being, to those who are being saved, it's about us being and going into that whole area of aliveness in Christ and this is how we do it through the beatitudes which may sometimes seem a little bit etheric so blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven the poor in spirit you know the poor in spirit here that word poor is about being destitute about having nothing left nothing left in our spirit so why would God want us to be so destitute in our spirit when, when Jesus is talking about fullness in the spirit and, and life in the spirit, why is he now getting up and saying blessed or happy are those who are poor, destitute or really just sort of got nothing left in their spirit? And he says it's because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. But Why? How do we get to that? See, because it's an inner attitude of receptivity. So it's about you can't receive something when you're blocking it. If you are not poor, if we, if we, let's use an example of um, someone who has lots of money. If you have lots of money and someone gives you money, it doesn't mean much to you. But if you don't have any money, and somebody gives you enough for a meal, then it means so much. It's so powerful. That's what Jesus is talking about here. When we're so destitute in our spirit 
that there's nothing left, that every little bit we just receive from God, we're so hungry to just receive it. And so give it to me, give it to me. And every little bit we get is so important and so thrilling to us and so fulfilling to us as well. Spiritually, it just nourishes us, lifts us up. And so, so many Christians believe the scriptures, but they don't go to this place. But unless we enter this state of being, we won't get then what Jesus is saying, which is the kingdom of heaven. We don't get it. You might be seeking it, but you can't seek it the way that the Jews did in the Old Testament. You can't seek it by doing the right things only. You have to have this attitude, this being attitude. Let's go to the second one. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. And again, this is a brutal form of emptiness. This is emptiness as well. So all of you who have, who have mourned, over someone or something, and I'm sure all of you here today will have or have had times of mourning. When you just, you're so, it's like you're destitute in your spirit. It's like you can beg God, why God, why? Why do I feel so bad? And even if it's the passing of someone who you know has gone to heaven, gone to be with God, even so, you still miss them. You might have that assurance, but it's what happens to us whilst we're in the morning, morning um, stage. Our spirit is hungry for God. And a, that emptiness needs to be filled. And if we remain in that empty state... Again, it's similar to the first one. If we remain in that empty state, you'll actually find that something that's far greater than what you could ever have expected. And I don't know if you've ever been there. I have, and, I, and for me, it's, it's a place... And I, I say this carefully. It's a place that I like to be, not because of the loss that I've experienced, but because of the gain that I experience through Christ when I'm in that place. And that's what Jesus is talking about here, that empty place. And it really hurts. It does, it hurts, and it makes you vulnerable and open. It makes you able to be able to receive. You know, it's interesting, there's a guy called Ken Wilbur, and in Grace and Grit, he suggests that we practice the wound of love, which is what this is all about. Practicing the wound of love. So being able to take ourselves to that place where you feel that deeply and experience it, but receiving then from God in that place. Okay, the next one, three. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. This is, this is so, so interesting. This is, meekness is about, is, is actually strength. But you know, when I've had it tried to be explained to me before, I haven't quite gotten it. But I think I may be starting to get it now. It's only been like, I don't know, <laughs> 50 years or something. But, you know, I think I might be just getting a handle on it. <laughs> you know, when we, um, 
some of you may have animals or have had animals or pets at some stage. And you have to train your pet. And you train them, you know, not to do their business in the house and, you know, do certain things and behave in a certain way. But when they do, when, when they actually um, do the things that you've trained them to, they're no longer capable of surviving outside in the, in the wilderness or in the, in the wild. They are domesticated. They're tamed. And as such, what happens is they then have to submit to you. And if you go, they can't survive. They're lost because they, they, they rely on you for everything. Well, that's what this one's about. Blessed are the meek. That meekness is allowing yourself to be tamed by God. Become domesticated, I guess. So that the only thing and the only person that you rely on is God. You don't rely on your finances or a job. Not that some of you might have that. You don't rely on your income coming from either a pension or whatever it might be. You don't rely on that. That's not where your, your I guess, the essence of you comes from. And if you can let go of all that other stuff, you become like, almost like a simpleton. And that's why I think some of, the, some of the early Christians were thought of to be a bit simple in the head. Why would they do that? Because they were able to just let go of stuff. Let go of the things that bound them in the world. And whether we like it or not, yes, we do have to eat and we have to pay our way and we have to do all of these things. But we don't need to be run by them. And if we can let go and just let God run our lives, then that's when things start to really change and open up. In the Gospel of Thomas, it's actually called taming the lion. Thomas talks about it as taming the lion. So in other words, all of the, the things that we might do otherwise. So, so for instance, anger. Anger has been a big thing for me in the, in the past. I grew up in a very a family that was angry and anger was one of those things that I thought was just a normal way of expressing yourself. Now, I can go about it and try and tame it myself, but that would be by the law. That would be by the, like the Old Testament. Or I can let God in to be able to tame me. And so, in other words, access Christ in that situation to be able to tame that part of me. And when that part of me gets tamed and I don't do it, and it's not, um, it's not completely tamed yet, to be honest with you, I'm human. <laughs> so it's not gone altogether. But, but it, it's going. And it's, it's the process and it's a different way than just trying to be good or trying to not get angry. Are you, are you hearing something at a deeper level here? Can you get what, that, that Christ has got something else going on here. It's a whole deeper thing than just trying to be good. It goes far beyond that. It's about the letting go. Let's, let's move on. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Well, the Old Testament, Testament um, writers talked about being in the righteousness of God. 
like living in it. So we understand the righteousness of God is not just about being right, and we've been talking about doing right in the, in, with the last beatitude. It's about, it's, it's like this presence of God. Brother Lawrence talked about being, living in the presence of God. It's like it's almost tangible that, that when you're in that place, you just feel God, empowered by God. God is just in you. God is around you. You are living in the presence of God. Well, that's what this one's about. That's what this beatitude is all about. Hungering and thirsting for this so that you can be filled with the righteousness of God. To be part of God's force field, I guess, in a sense. To be, to be living in that. And then when you do, then you are filled. You are filled. So it's not just outside you. It's inside you. Welling up and overflowing. This righteousness, not just, as I say, it's not just about being right. It's about living in that presence of God. Number five, blessed are the merciful for they will receive mercy. You know, it's, this is about simply giving and receiving. We're almost at the end here. It's about giving and receiving. So if you're merciful, you'll get mercy back. If you love people, you'll receive love. Um, it's just a law that God has set in motion on this planet and that's what happens. So when we start to be that way, merciful, then we're going to experience actually mercy. Enough said on that one. Actually, it's a little bit like the Trinity. The, the Trinity is like perichoresis is a, is a, is a term that gets used to, to describe the Trinity, where it's like a dance and, and the Holy Spirit um, is merciful and loving towards the, you know, the, the Son and the Son is to, the, to God Almighty, etc., etc., and it crosses over and it just goes all over the place. It's a little bit like watching, a, um, I guess, an atom going you know, all over the shop. So it's, all, it's all there, but that energy is there all the time. That's, that's what gets described by theologians in perichoresis a word that you may or may not have heard before, it doesn't matter. So this mercy is a bit like that. So the description of this type of mercy is found in the Trinity. So if you ponder on the Trinity, meditate on the Trinity, you might find that this, this particular beatitude opens up to you a little bit more. Okay, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Okay, again, this sometimes gets perceived as being good, a good person, pure in heart, you know, does the right things all the time. No, it goes, again, it goes further than that. So blessed are those who are more are focused, I guess, or um, of one mind, or have one idea in their head. They're not distracted by all the things that are around, they're not going this way and that way, and, and not, you know, running off with whatever the distractions might be, whether they be worldly distractions or whether they be just thoughts um, of, of different things. So we sort of, it's about refining and coming down to just one simple way to be. That's purity. It's pure. So, it's, so that purity then, when we're seeking God, actually 
enables us because as you as you purify something and as you intensify it and bring it into this, it becomes almost like a laser pointer. And you've seen those laser pointers. Those laser pointers sometimes can bring planes down, as you know. And that's how strong it gets because it's just one mind, one thought, one direction that you're taking. This lasered, lasered thinking. And that's that purity and that's the direction you're going and that's it and that's when you get there. That's when you see God. But it takes that intentionality. We can't see God without having that clarity and that, I guess, simple directive to be able to refine it. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. I think that goes without saying. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You know, um, this, and that's not about persecution like martyrdom. What that's about is, is it's in the midst of... The Gospel of Thomas says it this way. Let me see if I can read this to you. Blessed are you in the midst of persecution who, when they hate and pursue you, even to the core of your being, they cannot find you, in inverted commas, anywhere. What's that saying? That's saying that you've given up and you've let go of so much of you that no matter what people say, no matter what people do, you just don't get flustered. It doesn't affect you because, not because you're so clever and mighty, but because there's just none of you left. You've done all of these other Beatitudes and you're, you're practising them in, the, in that way of being and as a consequence of all of this, that's just who you are. You've been so transformed that the original you that started and, and came to this planet in the very first, when you were a child, is no longer there. Your personality has been refined like gold. Your spirit has been refined like gold. You are a new person. The old one no longer exists. And that's why Paul could say that he is dead in Christ. You see, that's the part of him that's dead. Not that he was dead, but that's what happened when he was talking. So I hope that some of these things have just hit some points for you today. There's a lot in them, and I haven't probably been able to give them justice because. Each one has so much more than what I could give you this morning. But I do pray that a little thing here or a little thing there has sunk in and God is going to use that to be able to help you to develop closer to God, to be able to abide in him and him in you. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much that Jesus gave the Beatitudes we may not be the most intelligent people, although we have a brain that you've given us to be able to understand. Lord, take us beyond our brain today. Take us beyond our mental capabilities. Take us into your heart and our heart. Help us to be one with you. Help us to be able to recall some of these concepts as we go about our life in the next week or so. Make them real to us 
help us to grow and develop so that no longer are we here, just as Paul could say that he is dead in Christ. Lord, that we might be dead to our old selves and that our new self, made clean, fresh and pure through you, is the one that comes forward, that people see, that we know. And in that we experience this closeness, this presence with you. We ask all of this because Jesus died for us. Amen. Amen.